You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, today at Walk It Out, I'm excited to be chatting with Casey Van Norman, author of the book and study, Nothing Wasted, God Uses the Stuff You Wouldn't. Casey's a professional counselor, Bible teacher, and the author of books and study series, Named by God and Raw Faith. She writes and teaches about the love that redeemed her life from the shame of past infidelity and strengthened her through a life-threatening cancer diagnosis. Casey is the founder of Norway Farms, a nonprofit serving homeless women in her community. She travels and teaches thousands each year as ministry in ministry as a speaker. She lives in Texas with her husband Justin and their two children, Emma Grace and Lake. So welcome, Casey. Hey, Trisha. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so honored yeah. and grateful. Just love you so um, much. Love your podcast. Yeah. Oh, love thank how you, you serve us. And I'm grateful. So grateful. Well, I am so excited that you're here. And we've been chatting before we started recording about all the craziness happen- happening and all the kids and all the energy yes. uh, that they have. So if you hear kids in the background that, you know, they're just a little bit wild we're all today. Here. Mine. Yeah, we're yep. all around. Everyone understands. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm closed up in a closet right now with, you know, <laughs> <Are> you? <laughs> like a barrier of clothes. Well, I'm glad that we're at least able to connect. Yeah, I mean, too. I'm so glad. Thanks for having me. And um, I'm, I think this is good that we can just keep some of this normalcy is helpful. You know, let's keep doing ministry together. Let's keep talking about the goodness of God in our Absolutely. life and just being drawing us back to center. Uh, on what he's doing and who he is. And he is faithful in all of it and has gone before all of it. So. Absolutely. Well, I know you talk about so many hard things um, in your book and the Bible study that goes with it, all good stuff. And I am so glad because, um, you know, I talk often, I've had a, I had an abortion when I was 15, was a teen mom when I was 17. And, you know, at first, I mean, when I first started writing, that's the last thing I wanted to write right. about or speak about. Um, and you almost feel like there's all that really hard stuff in the past, but let's just move past that. And I'm going to mm. be a good Christian woman and I don't have to think about that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how you say, you know, people have said before, you know, you're not your past, but it's not like we can forget it. Like you can't forget your stuff. I can't forget my stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to hear kind of your, a little bit of your story and why you felt this was so important to talk Mm. about how God sometimes needs to take us back to those things in in order to lead us forward. To go forward. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm so grateful, Tricia, that you are open and willing to share those hard parts of your story. And, you know, that was where all this really started for me. I've been a mental health professional for 20 years doing trauma and recovery and addiction recovery. And um, then I, of course, have been in the church for even longer and been a Christian and walking with the Lord for almost 30 years. And 
And then I started serving in ministry in a more public capacity of writing books and on the road teaching and things like that. And I was finding this breakdown in the messaging of what we were saying as the church and as Christians, Mm -hmm. um, hey, don't look back, keep on going forward. Your behavior, you know, the things that have happened to you, they don't define you. They're not who you are. Um, And all of that messaging, I understood the base, you know, we're trying to say the right thing. And I get what we're trying to say. And I address that in the book that, hey, it's not so much that it's wrong to say those things as it is. It's just not the most helpful. And as as a counselor, I'm in practice working with clients and that's all we're doing. We're going back and we're digging up, you know, past experiences and relationships and how they have, uh, you know, really physiologically, psychologically, socially defined who we are today. And that, and it was in that process that there's healing that Mm -hmm. I'm watching clients identify and say for the first time in their life, these traumatic things that have happened to them, these woundings that have happened to them, or just this growing sense of depression or isolation or insecurity or shame that they just have never um, put words on. And so to go back and actually unpack what has happened to us, around us, in us, is just truly what I see when I read the Bible, the way of God's word, the way he works in redemption. I think his Bible is proving this to be true. And and I just think we find so much freedom when we actually can say, hey, my past has so much to do with who I am today. And that is exactly the way God intended it to be. And when I read verses like Acts 17, where um, he's made every dwelling place and allotted the periods of time and the boundaries of our history for every person on the face of the earth, that that our neighborhood and our pa- parents, our biological or adoptive parents, the, the place that we live, our point in history, it's all been intentional. He's gone before every single thing, but then that leads us into this big, you know, um, sinking sand territory of theological debates and, um, you know, doctrine and, you know, is God sovereign over everything, even evil, even pain, even suffering? Is he in charge of all of that too? Has he been with me? And for me, that's where I'd find myself, Tricia, in that question, over the course of, this wasn't a, an overnight question. This is over the course of 10 years right. um, of, and just kind of a highlight reel of, of my background and story is I'm a, a young girl who is abandoned by her dad. There's mm-hmm. a ton of conflict in my home. There's a ton of alcoholism in my home. My Both my parents struggle deeply with depression, but one on the very low side, one on the very manic side. And I'm, you know, the oldest of three siblings. I'm watching this thing play out. But the messaging that I'm receiving is, you know, as a young girl and then as a teenager, hey, you're not wanted. I mean, just right. plainly at the end of it, you're not you're not wanted. And if you're really honest about your feelings and the fact that you feel this way or that you have these questions, you know, that is just a sign of weakness and uh, makes you even more uh, unfavorable um, to the family system. And so that's the message I'm going into my teenage years with. And then at the age of 15, have a very 
traumatic and painful sexual abuse and rape by an older man Mm. in my community. And, you know, all of us as teenagers, the way our brain is working is we're taking all of the messages we've received as a child in our development. And in our teenage brain, we're assigning a true or false value to this. So that's what we're doing. I mean, all this, we're saying this, is this true or false? This identity and this belief that I've been shaping about all the big, big hitters like justice and love. Um, All of these things are coming online in our brain. And then we will become people in our twenties that are really acting out our belief, you know, and that for me, when we have those traumatic experiences that are so deep and so wounding like that, so intimate to ourselves, that's why Jesus says, you know, sexual sin is the one sin. He's like, look, this breaks the intimacy, not just with other people, but with your own body. That's why I'm talking about it so much. Jesus is saying, I'm talking about it so much. And I talk a ton about um, promiscuity and sexual rebellion and intimacy in the book. A, because I don't think we're talking about it enough in the church and B, because it was so much a part of my misunderstanding of who God is and how he works. It became the thing that the intimacy within me that was so fractured from not just the rape at 15, but then all of the choices I would make to um, act out in my rebellion, you know, from that hurt, mm-hmm. because ultimately I'm. Yes, I'm, there's so much wounding I don't know to deal with as a child, but I'm blaming God. I mean, I know that this man has done this to me, but ultimately, I'm re- this is registering as, God, I was a good Christian girl. I was keeping my promise. I was going to stay pure until I was married, and this is what you do to me? Well, watch what I'm going to do to you. Right. So from that point forward for me, for the next really, you know, all of my teenage years, the next decade into my marriage. I was married young and um, to a wonderful man. And just, but I brought this bitterness and confusion and blame and shame into every relationship, into all of my intimacy, which meant that I, I held, you know, every potential to be intimate, to be vulnerable, to be honest at arm's length even into my marriage and was just an extremely promiscuous teenager Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, never dealt with this overarching internal sense of, Hey, at the end of the day, you're not going to be wanted. Never vocalized that, never looked at it, never looked at all the things around why I was feeling this way and how deeply manifest this thing had become to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Interject. Oh, I was gonna say, it just it just sounds so familiar because, um, you know, I didn't know my biological dad growing up, and then my stepdad. He married my mom when I was four, but very distant, like silent figure in the lazy boy, no relationship, mm-hmm. and became mm-hmm. sexually active at a very young age. Um, and then you know, pregnant and abortion at fifteen, and just wanting that love. I mean, looking back now, I just wanted to be loved so desperately um, and looking in all the wrong places and then pregnant again, same boyfriend, 17, and he's moved on. And here I am alone and pregnant. It's just 
um, you know, trying to deal with that. I did turn my life over to God when I was 17 and he brought this amazing Christian guy into my life Mm -hmm. when we married. But when you talk about keeping everything at arm's length, um, you know, when you have that pain and that brokenness, um, and I just, I thought, okay, I'm going to just be a good Christian person now and I don't have to think about my abortion. And, you know, they talk about it in church or Bible study. I just remember just my insides were just being eaten up. Mm -hmm. Like if they knew they Mm -hmm. would hate me. And I realized, I mean, this is, you know, five, six years of this. Um, and then until a woman stood up in front of church and said that she'd had an abortion and she was having a Bible study. And first of all, I couldn't believe that she was standing <laughs> up there, like what right. in the world? But then knowing that I needed it and, you know, going through that Bible study, I realized like, because you have to push that pain away, I pushed love away. I pushed wow. intimacy away. I pushed, you know, what you're talking about in, in my marriage, it was just like going through the motions and. Yeah. And um, just so, so, so broken. And, and it's mm. not, not something that can be fixed overnight. But right. I needed God to go back and like go to those places with me and fill his forgiveness and turn it over to him before I could move forward, before I could open mm. myself up in my marriage. And I mean, not that I've been perfect at all since then. I even struggled with my first boyfriend reaching out to me and those emotions like you know, breaking off communication with him after a couple of days, but like those emotions all stirred up again. I'm like, God, what yes. is this? And it's like, I, I love, I think it's Psalm 139, 24 and 25. Um, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me mm-hmm. and lead me in the way of everlasting. And it's like, God needs to deal with that stuff in us before yes. we can be the people that he wants us to be. But, you know, I love in the book you talk about, you know, going back and having to deal with those things. I remember like prayerfully having to see Jesus in those moments where I feel ashamed or making wrong decisions and have him just, and picture him weeping for me, like Mm. wanting to give me so much more. But I think so many times we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, not realizing that that's the stuff that God can use to bring healing and, and then help us to serve and heal other people. Yes, yes, yes. Preach that. <laughs> and see, that's why I, I love you just sharing this part of your story and connecting with me because you really do get it. You really mm-hmm. do get the dark night of the soul, the shame that even being a Christian and even being in leadership in the church. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, Tricia, I am in my early 20s and I am leading in major capacities within the church, on church staff, leading Bible study, mentoring young college girls, high school girls, having, you know, discipleship parties at my home, doing all the cliche Christian things you want Mm -hmm. to picture, the tacky Christmas sweater party. I was hostess with a mostess. I'm telling you, you know, like all of it, I did it. And here I am living this external life and having a secret affair and an an Mm -hmm. adulterous relationship with my best friend's husband. Um, It really, you know, not just an overnight one-time thing, but a three-year long-term significant, like my heart beginning to worship and love something um, so much more than God. And to be in that capacity, so that's kind of the story that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping comes across in the book and really my lane. I can't be everything, but my lane particularly is the Christian woman who loves God and really believes that she loves God, but really struggles to believe that God loves her back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where I can speak to and to be, um, 
very much saved and going to heaven when I die and still struggling with habitual patterns of sin. And I want us as women and men, but specifically my sisters, I'm writing to in this book to say, I want us to be free women walking because Mm -hmm. it's only in that freedom that we're going to want to be obedient. And when we're, you know, for typically for me, I mean, I'm in the Bible belt of of the world, which is central Texas at this time, East Texas. And it's just so easy to be a Christian and you're just getting pumped with all the to-do lists and all the criteria and the five points and, you know, acrostics galore and Baptist conservative white evangelical religion. And this is what I'm growing up in. And it's all about what you're doing. And we just don't realize, I think, especially in America, how ingrained we are with, um, legalism <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, hypocrisy because of that. And our desire is is so, our natural default is to do something to earn that favor. And so for a girl who's constantly questioned whether she's valuable, this is what I'm doing, not just with my relationships with people, I'm doing this with God. I'm trying to do something, even my own purity, my own abstaining from sex as a teenager or so I think is my attempt to earn his blessing, right. to earn his favor. And, and the church at large is and in whole is doing a pretty good job of affirming that by giving me a purity ring right. and a true love weights conference and saying, Hey, wear this ring and sign this contract and, um, you know, commit yourself to purity and, and God's going to have his favor on you. And so this is, this is the real fine line where the enemy wants us. He really wants us justifying our sin for the sake of God. And that's really that bought the bondage for me. And I think for Christians where you can be a, a saved person and still fully in captivity is you are walking in, um, a habitual pattern of distrusting God, which Romans 14, 23, what is sin? It's just anything, anything that does not trust God. That's a lot of gap. Mm-hmm. And for, for us to deal with that intensity, that deep motivation, not the behavior, but the internal motivation of our heart and what we worship internally, there's a big turnover that's got to happen. And I think from what I see in the Bible, what's been true, and I think you would agree with me, Trisha, in my life, it always comes through pain. <laughs> it always mm-hmm. comes through some form of suffering and pain. And it absolutely takes us to the end of what we think we know about God, others, ourselves. And that thing has to shift completely into uh, the truth of who we are. So that, that's just been the process of the past 10 years of me writing this book. It's not perfect. It doesn't have all the answers, but I just wanted to give some uh, empathy and practical help to Christians saying, hey, you can be someone, <laughs> you don't have to be someone with all this brokenness. You can just be someone who thinks you're really boring, who right. you can't look back and go like my husband, for example, he'll be the first to say, I, I don't really look back at my life and see this big pattern of trauma or wounding. I had a pretty darn good life. Parents that love me. I've never doubted one day in my life that I was, I've been wanted. And so my husband and I come from two different worlds and yet can still struggle with the same lie. And that Mm -hmm. is to love something more than God. And if God is using all of the boring pieces, all of the broken pieces, every single thing that the unlikely thing 
that's really what this book is about. It's not just about the train wrecks. It's about the people you would look at externally and go, man, they're like this pretty together. No, I'm saying all of it, God is using to bring us into unity with Jesus Christ. I mean, every external experience is meant to trigger an internal reality that we need to deal with. And that's the heart of this. That is so good. Book. Yeah. And I love the dedication says, for those who think they're too boring or too broken. <laughs> and my <laughs> husband was like your husband, the, you know, raised in a Christian home, did everything right. And then he got me. So that's where all the, <laughs> the brokenness came in. But I mean, you know, not, nobody's perfect. But I think so many times, um, like you were saying, we get accolades from Christian ministry. Right. Um, you know, and we've even had recent hurts in the church where we're serving and loving and they're like, well, you know, we don't feel appreciated or, you know, mm-hmm. they decide to go a different way with ministry. I'm like, wait, this is like, we were, we were doing a good job here. <laughs> yes. But you know, so many times it's not about it. And not so many times it's never about what we're doing. It's never right. about the ministry, the service, because we can do that um, completely not at the right level. And I think you're right. The enemy wants us, is happy with us, just going along and, and serving and doing all these things for the wrong reasons. And I think now, especially, I mean, you know, all our church services are shut down. We're not in, I'm not in the homeschool groups. I'm mm-hmm. not doing this. I'm not doing that. And it's like, who are we really? And I think, especially in the United States, we our comfort zone is community and service and accolades and look at Mm -hmm. us and look at how we're helping. And, you know, I even have a ministry working with teen moms. Well, I can't even connect with them right now because we are in lockdown in our home, you know, caring for my kids and my grandma. And is is it still about God? Is is he still Mm -hmm. enough? Is it just about um, what we can do? Or is it just enough to just be with our family and spend time with our Bible and, you know, worship God in the moment, not getting any accolades for anything in our lives right now. Man, that's such a good point. And I have been right where you are this whole week thinking through all of this. And I love how as a church, I see so many online and social media coming together, praying for us and giving us helpful tips of, you know, how not to go into this dark place of isolation, which I totally quickly can get into fear and anxiety there. But Um, here's what I love about this moment. What if God doesn't need us? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And that's what I'm hearing you say. And that's what I'm pulling out too a lot in the book is for us to really start to deal with our past, for us to really start to be honest with ourselves about who we are and not just who we are, but what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, ball game is, hey, um, you know, here's what I'm capable of. We really need to come to such a humility and such a brokenness that God's got this. He doesn't need us to run the world. He doesn't right. need us to serve in that ministry. He doesn't need us to run the church. He doesn't need us to even pray. He wants those things. He wants us. And that was the difference for me in the crux of my life and where this thing for me started to change and where I started to write these words is here I'd been so um, spinning my wheels of sideways energy and just weaving this ball of lie around my life Mm -hmm. because I had so much uh, resource and energy invested into it. And that's what we've got to look back at and go, okay, hang on. Where are we 
trying so hard to be great in the kingdom that we've invested tons of money and time and energy into this thing. But, but is it a lie? Is it actually the lie that we can also be God? The same thing in the garden, eat this fruit, and you can know the difference between good and evil. And that fine line is still the same. It's not that Eve set out to sin. She didn't. She right. loved God. She really did. She spent lots of time with him. She wanted to serve him. And her justification for sin was actually to help him. Her justification was, oh, so you mean if I take this fruit, I'm going to be able to be more like God. And in her woman mind, we know she's thinking, I can help. I can Mm -hmm. help out. I can be (laughs) of value to this thing. And so that for me is so eye-opening to go, okay, at first I've got to like reset, which this is such a great season right now for us all, I think it's the church, to reset reset and really consider where we are trying to fix the people in our lives, where we're trying to fix our marriage, where we're trying to fix our church or, uh, you know, our neighbors, what would it look like for us to really fully trust God to do the work? And we just show up present, loving Mm -hmm. them, from this unconditional overplace of our own love um, that needs nothing from them in return. And I think that's the love that, you know, God is maturing us toward. And I think that's the love that we all should be striving for as, as believers, as this unconditional, no need of return love. But in order to get there, (laughs) in order to get there and to love someone from overflow, you can't have the deficiencies of that love. You really have to be completely satisfied in the love of God in and of yourself. And this does not mean you are perfect. This does not mean you don't still struggle with sin. This does not mean I personally, Casey, don't make uh, intentional strides to be obedient and to set myself up for success in my day with the spirit and um, know my weaknesses. I know my weaknesses with men. I know how easy it is for me to want that, um, you know, to be valued and loved mm-hmm. by the opposite mm-hmm. sex. And so I am constantly aware of where I could potentially cross that line. So I do make really, you know, intentional choices not to do that, not to be in a room alone with a man, not to be on a text thread with a man. I, I'm probably overcompensated in a lot of ways, but I need to do that for me because there is still and will forever in my life be this struggle in me, but to go the rest of my life in survival mode is not going to love anybody well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it, And so there's this shift that has to happen in our life. And I talk about this in the book of that moving into not just telling everybody else about grace, but really receiving that grace for yourself. That's the yeah. shift. It's so we can, because we can, you know, grow up in the church and tell everybody and preach to everybody and quote scripture and teach the Bible and never fully receive the freedom of grace within ourselves. And that in itself is captivity. And that's mm. what Jesus wants for us. He wants for us to really trust him, really believe him with the worst of the worst case scenario. And that is where I had to 
to get in my life. And I wouldn't get there to my mid twenties, married, everything externally looking perfect and pristine, beautiful, you know, home with a white picket fence and all of it. Healthy kids with the cute little smocked monogram gowns and everything we do in the (laughs) South. That's cliche, but we do it. And all that to say is you would have just thought I really had my life together. And at, at night to in the early in the morning, two, three o'clock in the morning, here I am 25 year old woman in an adulterous relationship with my best friend's husband lying to everyone around me. Mm. Um, my sin is affecting not only me internally. You said this a minute ago, Trisha, that you felt almost like you were being eaten alive from the inside. Mm-hmm. And that is what mm-hmm. I felt like. I would look in the mirror and I would not know who I was looking at. And then physical symptoms started to manifest themselves. My teeth would turn yellow. My hair would fall out. I was losing weight and running fever. And I'm telling you, this these were symptoms of the sin in my life. These were symptoms mm. of the secret weight. It is so heavy. It is so burdensome to carry secret. And the Lord is using, if this is true of us, if we're holding anything back, <laughs> if, if there's any room in our house that we don't have the light on in, or that we've got the door closed, he wants us to use the whole house. Mm-hmm. That's what he's, he's made us for. And if we've got any room that's covered or closed off to other people, he wants to turn the light on in there. And it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal because you have to look at yourself for who you are and what you're capable of. And, and allow him to sift that uh, sometimes for some of us, you know, a very long-term self-preservation coping pattern that we've had that we don't even know we have. Mm-hmm. And, and that was me, 25 years old, and looking, and, and he, I've got these internal uh, identities that are still in my childlike state. I'm still this grown woman who goes into her closet at two or 3 AM wraps my knees up to my chest, rocks back and forth and wants to cut my arm just a little bit to feel the pain and feel in control and starts popping pills to numb the pain. And I'm doing the same thing I did when I was five, 15 and I'm 25 Mm -hmm. because I'm stuck. I'm stuck at this point of impact. I'm stuck at this trauma, at this wounding that I have never fully trusted God to heal, to satisfy. Um, It's not about having the answers or making that thing right. It is about trusting God that he has a useful purpose for it, that he's not going to go pull somebody else's story and make it mine, that he's going to use the very things that have happened to me in my life to be the purpose for my life and his will for eternity, that everything that's happened to me matters forever. And that is the reality, you know, he wants to shift for us, even those Mm -hmm. of us who have been Christians a really long time. He wants to close the gap between what we think we know about him and who he is. And a lot of times what I see and what's true in my life, that means going back to go forward. I really Mm -hmm. had to come to the end of myself And, you know, the secret of my write about this in detail in the book, the secret of my affair was exposed and the phone records were found and all of this came out and it was 
a year of absolute darkness. Hmm. I mean, just a year of the wilderness for me, my husband, my kids, my friendships. Um, I mean, everything about our life was uprooted and changed and, you know, painful, painful consequences of this choice. And also opportunity for me to really, really look at my life and what had led to these decisions to um, just be repentant with the Lord, Mm -hmm. just to change, let him change my heart, let him uh, warm this cold, bitter, broken girl (laughs) who yes, had been hurt, but then yes, had used that hurt to hurt others and unify me back into his spirit. And, you know, what did that was, this manifestation, physical manifestation of his grace in the form of my husband, which is my favorite story ever to tell. And (laughs) it's why I started to write because his words to me were such um, warmth and clarity and, and restoration of the reality of who Jesus is to me that I couldn't help but start writing them and sharing them with others, hoping that somebody would feel this freedom for the first time, maybe. And that is Justin standing there in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this hurt and betrayal and saying to me, Casey, I don't know how to not love you. Mm. I don't know how to not love you. And I'm telling you, I cry every time I say it. I've been telling it for 10 years. Because Trisha, <laughs> you, you can feel it. I mean, it's just a weight lifted yeah. of this is what Jesus is saying to us. This is mm-hmm. what Jesus is saying to us every single day when our hands are filthy, when we have been running and betraying and lying and prostituting ourselves out to every lesser love. And we're empty. We have nothing to offer him. And he is saying to us, I'm going to beat the door down to get to you. I'm going to come after you, no matter how many times you spit in my face, no matter how many loves you choose or how much time and resource you have invested into this lie. I'm all I, my job is, is to love you. I am made to love you and I cannot deny my own self. And so I just love that picture of who Jesus is to us. Mm -hmm. And when we can see him for that, when we can receive that in our on our worst day and our most vulnerable, honest state, just broken and open before him with nothing to offer, girl, that is it. That is when the chains have a chance to fall. That is when our eyes can truly see this eternal thing working around us. And that is when we can begin to make different choices for our life. And yes, it takes time. And yes, we must replace old thought patterns with new thought patterns. And yes, some of those old ways are still there and triggers come and life still hurts like hell. But God is so faithful and good. And we can get to a point where we're, we're so healed the side of heaven. And, and so um, in sync with the spirit, this side of heaven, that we really are trusting him in the face of the worst case scenario, because now it's no longer about these external things. Now we are truly yeah. internally 
living in our home. We we can fill, be filled with and feel the eternal kingdom here and now within us. And so the things that happen around us, they're they they affect us and we would be, you know, we don't want to be apathetic to those things, but they're not the thing in and of itself. They're simply moving us in to the wholeness of Jesus. And so that's my hope and my encouragement for this book. And, oh, I just so want it to be um, just the opening of eyes to hope for those that feel so hopeless right now. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like those that just can't see past the thing. They, they, just, they just feel too far gone. They just feel too broken. And I just, I want the words of this book to just leap off the page and, and break open the truth that all of it matters, that he's using your yep. actual life to prove himself to you. And that is just the amazing part of it. And I could think of so many specific times where the 17-year-old pregnant girl, you know, wrapping my arms around my stomach and daring to hope that God still loves me and feeling his love just light up my heart, like just feeling mm. like a physical warmth and light in my heart. And then also being the 25-year-old young woman daring to step into that post-abortion Bible study and mm. letting people see what I did. And, you know, and then later, you know, standing in front of my church and sharing my story. It's like all these moments, God is like, and I still love you. And I still love you. And even, you know, later we've adopted seven kids. And, you know, so I'm like, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to love you. And the house is a mess. And one of our kids has a mental illness, you know, and really struggling Mm. with that. Another one uh, moves out and is living with their boyfriend. (laughs) It's like, and God's like, and I still love you. And I still love you. It's just, you have to keep going back to that over and over again. And it comes to whether it's the huge thing, like the moment where, you know, stepping into that post about post-abortion Bible say that was a huge thing, but mm. it's also daily when I'm standing in my laundry room and I'm so overwhelmed with all the laundry and the kids and they're acting out and God's like, and I still love you. It's yeah. just that dailiness yeah, of understanding it and going back to it. And it's not what we're doing or what we've done, good or bad, like, you know, either way, it's right. just trusting in him completely. And yeah. I love that. That's your message that you are sharing. Mm. Well, <laughs> that's so good. I love that you say it's daily. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a daily um, cross that we choose to bear. And I think that's helpful. I, I think we can get so many mixed messages right now in our culture. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm all about self-care. Don't get me wrong. But um I think if we preach that too much, (laughs) you know, we really are called by Jesus to take up our cross daily. And when we think about what happened on a cross, what happens on a cross, the intensity of the sacrifice and the pain that's asked of us to grow and mature and deepen in our relationship with the Lord so that we can fully love others you know, that's the goal here is that we are, it's not in of ourselves the goal to care for ourselves more. It's really to care for other people uh, yeah. more and better and with unconditional love and with non-judgmental love. And um, I just, we've got to really be mindful on a daily basis. Like you say, when we're standing in our laundry room and it's piling up or when we're just dealing with 
um, the heart, you know, a sinful heart of our child that we just want to go, you're a big sinner right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, it's just little things like that. You know, when we're the tone of voice we have with our husband and, um, how we go to church or don't go to church, all the little justifications that we're making, I just found, I have found personally such sweet freedom in letting myself and giving my permission to deal with the basics Mm -hmm. because this world can tempt us to feel like we've got to solve all the problems and that we've got to serve on all the committees and do all the things and that our kids have to look a certain way and our marriage needs to look a certain way. And I've just, by working through my life, I've never been more sobered to the fact that God doesn't need me to do all of these things. He's really, really got it. He has an eternal agenda. And when I am with him forever, I will get it, but I'm not meant to get it right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just meant Mm -hmm. to be faithful. Every single day, my job is to trust him more. That's it. And so I found this release in my life of, Hey, I'm just gonna, you know, plant a garden today. I mean, I'm, what I want to do in this achiever part of me is to go out and, you know, <laughs> start another nonprofit or, you right. know, <laughs> but I found this, this release to go, Oh, I, I really just want to plant a garden and I want to just be still. And I want to hear and be satisfied with the house I have and the car that I have that's falling apart. And just, you know what I mean? So that has, for me, that, has only come through this self-awareness. I've had to be very, very self-aware and acknowledge my past, take ownership in real time of who I am and who I've been and sincerely believe, and maybe this is a word for somebody listening right now, that you know, no matter what you've done, are doing, or will do, you never compromise your position in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. That's kingdom talk. It can only be an eternal truth that no matter what we've done, are doing, or will do, our love, our position eternally is never compromised. And when we really start to believe that, I mean, that is the strength. That is the raw reserve we draw on every day. And that's where I really think we see our life change. That's where we really get in sync with the will of God. And it's no longer us running in circles, you know, crazy going, what's God's will? What's God's will? Or freaking out if, you know, our life doesn't look like what we thought it was going to be. This is that rhythm that we can find because we're self-aware. We're acknowledging who we are, acknowledging where we've been. We're giving ourselves permission to receive, uh, receive feedback from others to hear where we're wrong or could be wrong. Um, I think this is that transformed by the renewal of your mind, Romans 12, 2. You know, I think that's that daily discernment that, that sinks us to the will of God. And I hope that I've given some practical steps in the book too, because as a counselor, that's really important to me. I don't want us as Christians to lose ourselves to the over-spiritualized jargon of the right. church. We can't just tell people, hey, be free and expect them to know what that means. 
Right. We can't just say, you know, choose joy and expect them to know what that means to choose joy. I mean, there's, there's a, there's so much practical help in the word of God. It, it, it is not over-spiritualized. It is not Christianese. Um, it's not churchy. There's nothing about the Bible that is like that. The Bible goes into the joints and the marrow of our humanity. It connects mm. with us on who we are at an extremely practical level. And it tells us, hey, <laughs> you want to feel the freedom from your shame. You want to feel the freedom from your depression and your isolation. Here is the mindset to have. Here are the behaviors to engage in, in order for that mindset to stabilize over the course of your life and actually become true of you. And so I've tried to do some of that in the book of, hey, I'm not just giving you some stories here and hoping they encourage you. I'm really saying, you know, for me to go back and forgive uh, my father, for me to go Mm -hmm. back and forgive the man who raped me without ever having acknowledgement or apology while all the while watching this man succeed and and receive favor from people in his life. So how does that happen? How does God get a hold of that heart and sincerely, truly allow me to hold nothing, need nothing in return from this man? Um, you know, and then even the men who would really take advantage of me from that vulnerable condition over the course of years. So you've got tons of self-preservation logged in there and lies that I've logged. And, and, and I get this a lot. And I talk about this in the book and I talk about this in my teach, you know, why very simply, why did I cheat on my husband? That's kind of the question. Like what, how can you be a Christian and engage in that kind of behavior? And the question, the answer is just as simple as the question. Why did I cheat on my husband? I cheated on my husband because I loved my lie more than God. Mm -hmm. That's the simple end of it. Yeah. I loved, I had created this thing (laughs) over years that I fell in love with. The idea that I really wasn't worth it. That at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, I really wasn't wanted. I was going to be rejected. If I really told somebody my truth, you know, true feelings, if I really let somebody in and loved me for who I am, still broken, still messed up, still questioning God, um, you know, that I was going to be pushed out and and, an outcast. And that lie, I had invested tons of time and resource in. And so for that lie not to be true felt impossible. And that's why we don't want to face it. Because some of us have spent 20, 30, 40 years investing in this thing. We have so much stock in this thing. And for us to actually turn around, expose it, turn the lights on and tell somebody else that we're feeling this way feels so impossible. And that that impossibility is pride. Yeah. Because it says, it it makes us feel like everything, like, (laughs) how can this not be true of us? You know, because then I have to face the fact that have I wasted all of this time (laughs) in this thing where God is saying, none of this is true. This is true of you, you know? And so it's, it's this reckoning of, of the behaviors and the thoughts and the, you know, manipulation and the chaos that we've created around this thing 
to hold it at bay and to let the gate open of this thing feels totally impossible. And what I'm saying to so many who are listening is it is, it, it right. is impossible in and of ourselves. Um, and it, it is a sifting of places in us that we really want to be true. And man, it's sifting in that things cannot continue to go on the way that they've been going and us live in the fullness of God. Mm. And the truth is, as was in the case with Peter in Luke 22, you can be standing eyeball to eyeball with Jesus. It's not about you not believing he is standing right there. It's not about you not believing in Jesus or loving him. He is standing right there looking in your face. And he is saying to you, like he did to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, and I'm going to let him. Right. And there is that sense of, it's almost like, wait, are you abandoning me? And then immediately Jesus says, and I'm going to pray for you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray the whole time this is happening, because when you turn, and I love this language, because it's not a matter of if, Christian, you're going to turn. If you are a sincere, saved person in Jesus and going to heaven when you die, listen, it's a matter of when you turn. And that's not on anybody else's clock or time or your friends or what they think you should do or anybody else's rule book for your life. That is the eternal will of God and his sifting work that is dealing with us. And, and he doesn't sift anything that we haven't given him a reason to sift. It's, it's always a resurfacing of anything that's keeping, you know, us in the way of claiming our promise. Yeah. He doesn't, he wants us to claim our promise. So he's going to let it happen. He's going to pray for us, advocate for us the entire time we are going through that loss, that grief, that addiction, that pain, that depression, the entire time he is advocating on our behalf, which absolutely blows me away because it's just what you said, Tricia. It's like he's standing in that gap, grieving. I can just see Jesus mm -hmm. wailing on our behalf. Can you just see him? Yeah. I mean, if he went to the cross and bled for us, can you imagine how he um, pleads at the right hand of his father on our behalf now? I mean, that just... In, in that grief of our life, he is grieving with us. He is um, all of the feelings that we are feeling. He is there with us and allowing all of our days to lead us to him and allowing all of this pain to happen so that when we turn, we will have more faith. That's what he tells Peter. You're going to have more faith than you know what to do with. And that is, I hope that's encouraging. And I love that he wants us to understand his love so desperately. He's willing to let all our backup plans fall and shoot down every <laughs> backup plan, whether it's our backup plan for just making sure someone's going to be on the sideline to love us or just making sure we're going to get approval of others or just making sure we're going to serve to get the accolades, whatever backup plan. He wants that to crumble because he wants us to see that it's his love. It's his love alone that we don't need any of those backup plans. I don't know if you are just super in sync with my spirit right now or master <laughs> of segue. But yeah, that's that's um, a subtitle in the book is just, you know, busted backup plan that yeah. 
I haven't even got that far. I started reading the beginning. I haven't even got that far in the book. But yeah. Okay, girl. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't need a backup plan. We really don't. Yeah. We we really, I know it feels like that. And, uh, and I can look at my life and the years of collateral damage that I've had and coming out of this affair and the Lord just restoring my marriage leaps. I mean, I can't even tell you <laughs> how healed and restored and whole and intimate my marriage is on the other side of the affair versus yeah. how it was on the front side. But also, you know, very shortly after, um, very shortly after all of this, we ended up moving into a new town, really getting a, a fresh start on our life, which was such the grace of God and undeserved, but we did. It was awesome. And then three months after moving to our new town, I received the diagnosis that I had in stage uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. And this isn't, you know, was another crazy turn to our life because we really had a plan. <laughs> we had a plan even for what our healing looked like. Right, like that's right. How stuff we get. That's how, you know, we our plan is good. It's right. You know, it's not that it's so much wrong. We have this plan of counseling and therapy and getting into church and serving and healing. And boom, I get hit with, I mean, we're in chemotherapy and, um, flying to Chicago every three months for this crazy treatment to try to save my life, you know, through medical endeavors. And so for two years, that's all we're doing. And, and I'm wrestling now with this new facet of God, which is not relational in nature, but is completely between me and him. And that's where I wrote the book raw faith because it felt Mm. like, you know, everything was, was God kind of picking this fight with me going, wait a minute, man, I just got out of a fight. Now we're back in this one. And, um, but to be now in 2015, I was declared in remission. I'm so grateful that I um, have a clear body right now. And I'm so thankful for that. But the great news of that story is that I sincerely in the pain before I got the clear diagnosis, um, or the clear scan, excuse me, before I got the clear scan, I really came to a point where the Lord, where I was okay. Yeah. I really just was okay. It wasn't a matter now if he healed my body. It, it I tr- sincerely, truly trusted that if he didn't, if he didn't and chose me to come on home, that there was such a peace in my heart and soul, even in the midst of the darkest valley of my life. I mean, just 95 pounds, can't get out of my bed, vomiting every other hour, Mm. feeling like death. I mean, almost wishing that death would come. So I'm just saying, I want listeners to hear and to be encouraged that, listen, if it's a valley of darkness that's just between you and God, if it's a valley of darkness that's between you and another person, he is going to meet you there. And he is enough. He's enough. And to look back at our life and see how he's always been enough. Mm. It's so healing, Trisha. It really is. It's so good. And it's so hopeful. And it just makes me want to get up and live my life. You know, it makes me want to get up and love people from the overflow of Every exposed, honest place in me, not perfect place, not even right place. Like I've still got things I am very wrong about and need to fix, but there is not one part of my life that is covered. Not one part. Yeah. Um, And that feels incredibly 
light. <laughs> yes. That feels like good news. That feels like good news. Yeah. And I just love how God takes us, I mean, on this journey, knowing that, yes, this is going to hurt, but, you know, he knows what's on the other side. I, I mean, I would not want to go back to that bound up person that I was. Um, I, I don't even want to go back to the person who felt that striving was going to get me everything I needed. You know, we just need to be in the place where right. he is enough every single day. And that's where we can love him, love others, like you're saying, and I think, I mean, that's exactly where he wants us. And sometimes it really hurts to get us there, but he loves us enough. Okay. Well, we can keep talking forever. (laughs) I know. um, I could. I feel like I've done so much talking. You've been so gracious to listen. Well, so good. Yes. And I I could just, I mean, I I was just in tune to like nodding over here. Like, yes, I've been there. I understand. Mm -hmm. That's my story too, which I think it's everybody's story. To it some is. level or another, yeah. it's everybody's story. And I'm even thinking of my teen daughters, you know, who we adopted as teens um, and just from foster care and the struggles they have. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be such a good book. I want to go through it with them. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, just everyone needs to hear this truth that you were able to dig out <laughs> even in the hard places for us. So Ooh. I appreciate that. But well, I just want to thank you for featuring the book. Yeah. and Thank you for sharing it with your listeners and and I do hope people pick it up. And it was it was really a, a beast to write and took a very long time and um, had a, a, t- a totally rejected manuscript the first time because it was, quote, too honest. Mm. And so it is very honest. It's not a light Sunday afternoon read. It is a it is a, a quick read, um, but it is deep and. I hope thought provoking. And also, you know, I just, I sincerely want us as believers to put the usefulness on our past. Yeah. Let it be purposed. Let the very things that have happened around you, to you, in you be the thing that you use to serve other people. And so maybe I've given some tools for readers to, to do that with you know, really construct their story in a redemptive framework that allows them to move forward in total healing, total freedom to serve others. So, yeah. And I love that there's the book and the study guide and the DVD. Um, so there's so much we could just dig out of this. Yes. You, the readers have to do the Bible study too, because I wrote the book in a memoir style, which is why it's a quick read. But the Bible study, the six session Bible study, I actually... I actually invited six of some of my closest friends to come in and share their story of nothing wasted and how mm. God has used an incredibly trying time. And I have six incredibly different women, all different ages and all different scopes of perspective and experience. So I really think it's every session is going to minister to a, a listener in a different way. Um, but the Bible study curriculum is set out as a um, guidebook for you to work through your story. Mm, I love that so much. I did that in the book, but I really want readers to go and do it for themselves in the Bible study workbook. Perfect. And we'll have links to all that, but where else can people connect with you online? Please connect with me. I am most active in my DMs on Instagram, which is at Casey Van Norman. And then I'm on Facebook also at Casey Van Norman. 
And you can find other events where I'll be on the road. And uh, well, we hope. <laughs> I know. I've already had two speaking events canceled. I don't know what's yes. going to be happening. <laughs> I know. Me too. So hopefully, but that's at CaseyVanNorman.com. So I would love All to right. connect with anyone and everyone there. Thanks, Tricia. Well, thank you so much. Well, there's not much I need to add from what Casey had to say. And this episode was a little bit longer, but I just really just felt God's spirit just speaking through her and just wanted that message to get to your heart. I know there's so many of us who understand the pain and the heartache or even the disappointments when we're striving and striving and trying to, you know, do our backup plan and bring comfort to ourselves and it's not getting us where we want to be. Um, so I just encourage you to consider getting this book and Bible study, Nothing Wasted um, by Casey Van Norman. And today's Walk It Out verse is, um, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am a God and there is no other. I am a God and there is none like me. I made known the end from the beginning, from ancient times and what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And I think so many times we don't want to forget those former things. We don't want to um, think about the past and our pain and our mistakes. And that is um, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. I, I should add that in there. But we don't want to go back and think about those mistakes that we've made. But I love how the end of this verse says, I say my purpose will stand. And no matter how we mess up, God's purpose will stand. Another um, quote that Casey had from the book is, God is powerful enough to hold together both his fixed plan for our life, while also honoring our free will to make decisions that influence our future. God can handle our mistakes. He can handle our strivings. He can handle all of us. Um, and he wants us to know how much he desperately loves us and that he will always desperately love us. Um, so let me just pray for you. Dear God, I pray for every listener there. I pray that we will just fully begin to understand um, how much you love us. And sometimes it takes getting to the end of ourselves. Actually, it always takes getting to the end of ourselves. But I pray that whether it's our mistakes or whether it's our comfort zones or whether it's our strivings that don't end where we want them to, that don't bring the results that we want, that through all those things, we will see you and our need for you, our desire for you. And you will be able to say, um, I love you. And don't worry about any of that. I forgive. I will um, bring you to myself. I will be here for you. And it's not about us, God. Um, I pray that all of us will understand that today. I pray for Casey. I pray for her ministry. I pray that um, even though it's hard sharing our stories, that you will bless her and um, just have her stories just bring hope to so many. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen. So friend, I just thank you for tuning in. Be sure to share, walk it out with a friend, um, as someone who maybe you know who needs to know there is hope and that there is love and that God's can bring um, all these things for good even though it hurts in the times. If there's someone that needs that message, I pray that you will pass this on and encourage them. And um, just know that 
even through whatever's going on in our lives, that God is there and He's with us. And that's what we can depend on. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.